as if it was the God in heaven had a will, had a choice, had a desire that I do not want to heal your wife. Now, now clearly God didn't heal his wife, but, uh, you know, uh, if you start with the correct premise of God is good, see, then I start digging. You know, if I'm not getting healed, then I start digging. I start spending time in prayer. I start, start spending time in the word. I start talking to the Lord. What's the deal? Uh, what's going on? Uh, because if God is good, I have to be healed. I, there's no options. I have to be healed. If God is good, I have to be able to receive my healing. Uh, and so, uh, it, and if you're tenacious enough, if you're dogged enough, you can find the answer. Yes. Uh, and it's not always, well, you're a terrible person, you're you know, a horrible you know, Christian, you're full of sin. And sometimes it's just you, lack of understanding, you know, what the, how the word applies to your particular circumstance. Uh, it may be that you have a hindrance, you know, sometimes, not always, uh, not even the majority of times, but sometimes Jesus had to deal with sin in someone's life before he could heal them. The man that was born by four, right, that let down through the roof before he could heal him, he had to forgive him of his sins. But that was the exception and not the rule. Uh, most of the time, because it says, even in that case, it says when he saw their faith. So, you know, it is possible to have faith even when you need forgiveness. Amen. I mean, the whole point of getting forgiveness has to be done by faith, right? So, uh, so even with faith, uh, so that man didn't lack faith. He lacked, you know, being forgiven uh, as a hindrance to him receiving his healing. Uh, but uh, the worst thing we can ever do as faith people is to judge other people about why they're not getting healed. Amen. Well, they're probably in sin. Yeah, that's probably it, you know. Well, they, you know, they go to the wrong church. Well, you know, uh, clearly that's it right there, right? Well, you know, um, they just, you know, I saw them talk, talk mean to their kids the other day. That's why they can't get healed, you know. And um, are, you, are you anybody's judge? Am I anybody's judge? Did I know what's in the heart of everybody that I meet? Um, and so when somebody says, why didn't so-and-so get healed? You know, it's an easy answer. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, to, to know anything else, unless, now, if I can talk to somebody, you know, even five minutes, you know, just let them talk. You know, usually I just listen. Right. And, and if you listen long enough, you go, you know, well, you know, I, you know, I thought I'd get healed, but, you know, never been healed before and, and didn't really think I would. OK, well, there you go. You know, well, you know, I just uh, I don't really believe in that healing stuff. I just thought I'd try it and see if it worked, you know, but it didn't work. And well, you know, uh, I mean, you know, you just let people talk long enough to tell you, OK, well, that's the answer right there. Right. I told you, you know, the about the one lady that I've known for years who had uh uh, serious back issues and, and um, wasn't getting healed. And just one of the nicest people that I met, just, you know, really what I consider a saint of God, somebody that, you know, was always helping somebody. Uh, and, uh, and so I prayed for years, Lord, why, why isn't she getting healed? And, and, and I understand most of the time it's not any of my business, right? It's between them and the Lord. But, you know, that just it was on my heart, you know, Lord, I, you know, what's the deal? Why is this person not ever getting healed. They've been through, you know, probably a dozen back surgeries. And it seems as though surgeons have such a hard time once they start doing back surgery that they have a hard time ever getting corrected because then they get scar tissue and then they have to go back and clean that up. And then when they do that, then it causes other problems. And of course, they're also working against degenerative diseases of some kind. Sometimes they're the uh, uh, whatever parts of the back are, you know, are degrading over time because of some other sickness. Uh, so there's, you know, they just struggle. It seems like in that area, once they start doing back surgery, they just really struggle with getting it fixed. And, uh, and you know, I'm not judging anybody. It just it seems that uh, that's just uh, something that you observe over time. And, 
Uh, and so I was talking with her one day, and this is after praying for years, trying to find out what the deal was. Uh, and she had a lot of, lot of things happen in her life, a lot of drama happen. And, um, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm not one, uh, you know, I don't hold grudges. And I thought, well, that's good. And then she said, but all these people, you know, I hate them all. You know, I, I can't stand them all for all they doing these things. And I can't trust any of them. They're all liars. You know, no one's ever done me any good. And no one's ever helped me out. And I'm all by myself. And, and all this bitterness started just coming out. Uh, and now she's done a really good job of hiding it over the years, right? Uh, but the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the, the what? The mouth speaks. You can hide it and paint over it and bury it for a while, but it's, if it's in the heart, it'll come out eventually. And right in the middle of her talking, you know, the Spirit of God spoke to me, and it's almost like he pointed a finger and said, that right there is why uh, she can't get healed. Now, she, but she started the whole conversation was, I'm not one who, who holds bitterness. And yet she was the very one who held bitterness. Uh, and so, you know, it's really hard to help somebody if they say they're not this way when they're exactly that way because... I mean, you have to either tell them, well, you're lying. And I don't know, you know, sometimes the Bible says, James says, you can even deceive your heart, deceive your own heart. Uh, you can get to a point where you've deceived your own heart, thinking that you're this when you're really that. But, you know, that, that doesn't, I mean, that's just reality of humanity. Uh, there is a way out, you know, and if you'll, if you'll desire to spend time in prayer, I think the Lord will show you those things because he is faithful, right? If you ask him a question, I believe he'll answer. He, he, in fact, he says many times he'll answer you, right? If you call upon his name, he'll answer you. Uh, and so uh, the question for us is, do we want it bad enough, right? Do we want the answer bad enough? Do we, do we want the answer regardless of the cost to our personal selves? Do we want the answer? And if we want the answer bad enough, the Lord will get it to us, amen? Because he may have to work through 50 years of bitterness that you've decided never to uh never to deal with right and and um uh and of course you know the bad thing about bitterness uh, uh and unforgiveness is people have done those things to you and they're real things right uh, all the things that she said that she was in unforgiveness about were real i knew most of the circumstances that she was talking about uh and I, and they were real things people had, yeah you know it's like kicking a baby seal she's just the nicest person and yet people would be so mean to her and say the worst things to her and, and uh, backstab her and, and accuse her of all manner of evil. Uh, and, uh, and so she took it personal. She received all of those things and took it personal and got into bitterness and unforgiveness uh, because of that. And so it's like a double, you know, it's like a double jeopardy. You know, now she's got not only the, the things that were done to her, but now she's also in, un in unforgiveness and bitterness. And the thing that seems to be... Um, well, I was going to say cruel. It's not cruel at all, really. It's the thing that that's, is interesting to me about forgiveness is there's never from the word of God a requirement for the person that you're forgiving to uh, acknowledge their guilt. You know, they have no requirement to say, I'm sorry. They have no requirement to apologize. They have no requirement to ask for forgiveness uh, before you are required to forgive them. And, you know, people, well, that seems unfair. It's, it's irrelevant. That's what the word of God says, right? It says if anybody, if, you know, if anybody, if you have anything against your brother, forgive him. It doesn't say if you have anything against your brother, as long as he repents, forgive him, right? Now, there is a story where Jesus said, you know, if your brother comes to uh, sin against you seven times and seven times he comes and repents, you still got to forgive him. But it's still true that if he sins against you seven times and he never repents, you still got to forgive him. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, you know, Forgiveness is, uh, to me, uh, if, you, if you ask people, what is forgiveness? You know, it's an interesting, th interesting question because 
what is forgiveness, right? People say, oh, well, you know, I heard someone just the other day say, well, forgiveness is, is, is not allowing uh, you to be vengeful to somebody else for their guilt. Um, and I thought, you know, I mean, that's, that's not really true. I mean, you know, uh, uh, and, and really it took me a long time of studying to, to kind of boil it down to, to what I believe is the essence of what forgiveness is because uh, uh, in, in studying the Word of God, the best definition that I believe that I've ever had for forgiveness is, is to pardon somebody uh, because pardoning somebody is... Number one is you acknowledge, you acknowledge their guilt. Even if they never acknowledge their own guilt, you acknowledge their guilt. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, forgiveness is not overlooking their failures, right? Forgiveness is not, well, you know, they're just having a hard day, or, well, they were just hungry or tired, or, well, you know, uh, uh, unless you walk a mile in their shoes, you know, you don't really understand them. And uh, No, I mean, you know, the love of God can look at somebody and go, they're a terrible person. You know, they just, what they did was horrible. They should not have done that, you know? Uh, and and you can look at that and just acknowledge that what they did was was a sin without um, judging them. Well, they should die and go to hell. I mean, that would be crossing the line. Right. That, and that's where a lot of people get in trouble is they can acknowledge that what somebody does is wrong. But then they step over the line and now take a position as judge, which is not their position. Right. Uh, but forgiveness is when you as an act of your will choose to pardon somebody for their guilt. Uh, and that's, you know, to pardon somebody means to wipe their slate clean. And as far as you're concerned, they never did that to you. That's the whole point of pardoning, right? If you look up people's records who have been pardoned in the natural world, there's no record, right? If you look at people who have done their time and paid their debt to society, so to speak, it'll have a record. This person was in, incarcerated during these time periods at this location. But somebody that's pardoned, you look them up, there's no, there's no record that they were in jail. Uh, and so, uh, the, uh, and to me, that's the best definition because uh, it's not an emotional thing. It's not something that you do uh, from your feelings or from your emotions or letting the, all that hurt go. And, you know, there, there's so much psychology in the church that um, it, we get the, the actual word of God and faith watered down. We are a faith organization. Amen. We are an organization who, who is, lives by faith. The just shall what? live by faith right not by our emotions and so and much of the area and discussion around forgiveness is all around psychology right about well you gotta let those hurts go and you know all the have inner healing and a lot of a lot of mumbo jumbo voodoo stuff that is not biblical there's no there's no bible verse that talks about inner healing um, uh, and things like that uh, and has any of that ever helped anybody? You know, maybe it has, but it's not faith, right? It's just psychology. Uh, and so um, uh, the Word of God says to forgive. It doesn't say let the hurts go. It's, in fact, the Bible says put off the old man, right? Uh, but it, it's not a psychological uh, thing. It's a faith thing uh, because it's an act of your will. You choose to look at this situation and say this person was guilty, and even if they didn't mean to, and even if, you know, whatever the circumstances were, uh, they still brought harm into your life. And so you, as the one in charge of your life, get to, as a choice of your will, look at that situation. I choose to pardon this individual and to declare that as far as I'm concerned, they've never done anything to me. And anytime anybody does anything to me, that one of the first things I pray is, Lord, I'm asking you to not hold anything to their account that they've done to me. 
so that when the day of judgment comes and they say, well, let's, you know, look, let's, look, let's look at all the deeds done in a body, both good and bad. And the Bible said it's going to happen, right? Uh, we talked a long time about that. When they get to uh, well, all the interactions that they've done with people, there'll be no interactions with me. Everything will be, well, as far as we can see, you've never done anything to this person over here. And the reason why there'll be no account for that is because I've asked the Lord to pardon that person. I've asked the Lord to remove the guilt of what they've done to me. Now, I can't do that for other people. That's on them, right? I can't just, well, Lord, just forgive everybody in the world for everything that everybody's ever done. We don't really have that authority. But in my life, I have authority to pardon you, right? I can pardon for you anything that you've done to me. Uh, and the nice thing is when I do that, then, then that's a blessing to me. I am blessed when I do that, right? Because, because I'm walking in love by doing that. Uh, and, and I don't have to do that in tears, uh, you know, oh, you know, people cry, Lord, please help me forgive them. And there's no tears necessary to forgive somebody. There's no begging of God necessary to help you forgive somebody. It's just a, an act of faith. You choose to do it as a decision, just like any other choice that you've ever made. You decided to get born again. You, you chose to get born again. You chose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Uh, and so, uh, and I know in that area, that unforgiveness and bitterness is a hindrance to many people's lives. Uh, but it's just a decision. It's not any bigger of a decision than do you want fries with that, right? It's not, uh, you know, people, it's so hard. And I hear people say things like, well, I'm working on it. That's not a statement of faith. That's a statement of, of when my emotions settle down long enough, then I will choose to allow my spirit to, live, uh, to control my life instead of my emotions. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to live by my emotions. I lived by my emotions, you know, all growing up, you know, and even years after I got saved. And when I learned that, you know, I'm, I am not, uh, my emotions are not me. My emotions are things that I have, right? They're just a tool that I have to express what's on the inside of me. And they're great tools and there's nothing wrong with emotions, you know. I'll laugh and have a great time. And, you know, sometimes people get annoyed at me because I'll laugh about things and, uh, and, you know, I don't care. I like having a good time. I like, I like laughing. You know, I like, I like uh, cutting up and, and telling jokes that, you know, that can be told in public and to your mom, you know. And, uh, and so uh, the emotions are fine, right? But emotions can be a hindrance to you. And, and uh, much of the church doesn't understand that there, there can be a separation or should be a separation between your spirit and your, and your soul, Right. Divide us under soul and spirit. That's what uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says, right? Divide us under soul and spirit, right? There should be a separation. Your spirit is in control of your life, not your soul. Uh, and, and yet, uh, much of our lives, we are run by our emotions, right? We're controlled by our emotions. We're, our, our path is dictated by our emotions, how you feel, right? How you, uh, how you feel about somebody. And just mention certain people's names in, 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 uh, uh, in the presence of other people. You know, all the hackles are... <laughs> You know, just mentioning their name will cause that. Well, that's somebody who's being uh, driven by their emotions. Amen. And, and so are all sickness, are all sicknesses caused by your emotions? No. Uh, uh, I mean, I have no, no idea what the percentage is uh, because the, the Bible doesn't tell us what that is. But it is a hindrance sometimes, right? Uh, and uh, uh, but you can choose. The, the thing I like about faith that I really love about faith is I get to choose. It's 100 percent my choice. Anytime I want to do something. Uh, and, and I remember one of my, the, uh, my pastor's favorite statements. Uh, and I remember when he said it the first time, it just kind of went off inside of me like, man, that's, that, that is such an amazing statement. He said, I am not your problem and you are not mine. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, I love that statement. Because now 
If you do something to me, well, you're not my problem. You know, I don't have to allow whatever you've done to me to become my problem. Uh, and, and, you know, I always give my friend Jerry Allen a hard time. Uh, he's probably watching today. Hey, Jerry, I'm going I'm to throw you under the bus, Jerry. Uh, uh, but uh, he was in the same service, heard the exact same, and he got mad because he had lived his whole life as, yeah, you are my problem. You're the reason why I can't be happy, right? Uh, and, like, uh, and I'm thinking, well, you know, and I received it as, uh, when he said that, I received it as, then nobody is my God except for God. Because if you are my problem, then you are my God. You are between me and the Lord. You dictate how I feel. You dictate how well I sleep. You dictate how happy I am. That means you're my God. Uh, and how many people live that way? Uh, in fact, you know, I did, a, um, I did a funeral once many years ago. Uh, there was a, a young person had died, and, and um, uh, they were a part of this large family. You know, I grew up in a large family, and this family was even larger than my family. You know, I grew up with 11 kids. Uh, they grew up with 16 kids, and that's a big family, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, but, and I've known these people for years. And so, you know, I just kind of, you know, do what I do from the pulpit. And I said, well, you know, uh, I said, your family's big, my family's big. You know, the one thing about big families is always wars and rumors of wars between somebody, right? This sister's mad at that sister, that brother's mad at that brother. Somebody's always mad at somebody. I, but I said, but you know, you guys have always done a good job of coming back together. And they did, you know, for the most part. And that's really what I said, you know, uh, uh, during, the, during the service. Well, after the service, you know, uh, 15 of the 16 children came up and said, that was a great message, you know, uh, this is a really good message. We really pre-. One of them came up and said, you're the reason why we all, you know, can't ever get along. It's like, you never heard that message from my pastor that I'm not your problem, right? Uh, and, and sometimes the Spirit of God will just rise up you. And I just horse laughed. I just I said, I, and I, I just laughed. I said, you are so wrong. <laughs> and then I just walked away, you know, and, but I laughed when I said it, which really, you know, kind of sticks your thumb in somebody's eyeball just a little bit more because, you know, when, when they know they can't get you riled up, I was riled up, but it was so funny because I thought you're, you're just most ridiculous person I think I've ever met, you know, uh, and so, but see, they thought I'm their problem. Well, I am not your problem. Your neighbor is not your problem. Your spouse is not your problem. Your dog is not your problem, right? Uh, and if you can, if you can believe that, see, faith says I choose. Faith says, I choose how I feel, I choose how well I am, I choose how happy I am, I choose how prosperous I am, I choose. The world doesn't choose for me, my circumstances don't choose for me, my boss doesn't choose for me, I choose uh, everything in my life. I remember when the Lord came to the nation of Israel and said, uh, I have put before you life and death, therefore what? Choose. You get to choose. You get to choose to live, you get to choose to die. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, we've turned that into a bumper sticker, but it's not a bumper sticker. It's one of the greatest statements of faith that's in the Bible. You choose. You get to choose how well you are. You get to choose how good you feel uh, every day. Uh, and that's, that's a life of faith. That is a life that I want to live. I just, I always hated growing up, always feeling like a victim of, of my emotions, that I had no control over my, I used to throw the biggest temper tantrums, you know. You can see that, right? I just, I'm just so emotional all the time and, and just so angry all the time, right? Uh, and, but I used to be that way all the time. Just, uh, I remember, you know, I think it was second grade, third grade, something like that. I used to get in fights all the time at school. And I was in a fight one particular day. Uh, and just, I was so, and I'm like, I'm like third or fourth grade. I was so angry. I couldn't even see straight. Uh, where the, I, the teacher came up there and grabbed me. I didn't even see her coming. She grabbed me by the arm and drug me back into the school. Uh, and that's when you could grab kids by the arm and drag them back into the school. Nowadays, you get tased for even looking at a child, you know. But, uh, and so, 
but uh, so she, she, she jerked some slack out of me, but, but I was so angry, you know, and, and, and I didn't, I mean, I grew up like a pack of wolves, but I mean, it wasn't like I had to sleep outside or anything all the time. It just, you know, it just, just you, you, you grow up with your emotions controlling your life. And, uh, and then I got saved and I realized, you know, I don't have to live this way. I don't have to be a victim of anything or anybody. Uh, and, you know, if you didn't know all the, all the, all the interesting stories of when I was at my church, you would never know I went through anything. You'd think, well, this guy has had it so easy all of his life, right? Born with a silver spoon in his mouth, right? Uh, and uh, let's, let's swap uh, stories for a while. And then let's, you know, not that I'm it's trying to compete or anything, but, but um, you know, I've gone through some interesting things. But they don't define who I am. You know, I, I was an orphan at 15. Nobody would know that I was an orphan at 15, you know. Oh, he's had it so easy, you know. I bet he's had mom and dad in his life all of his life, you know, and, uh, and had it so easy and cushy. And, and, uh, no, no. There's the, you know, the life of faith is, is not defined by how easy of the circumstances you right. walk through. Amen. It's defined simply by what you choose to do. Uh, and so, I don't know, I just, I, just, I, I just like the life of faith. I love the living by faith. I love finding out more how to walk by faith every day. Because every day I find out more about how I walk in faith. Every day I find out more about, Lord, you know, I should have been walking in faith about that. You know, I'm not, I'm not walking in faith about that. I should have been, and I can. And, and so, you know, when I find those things out, most of the time I'll repent immediately for not being in faith because the Bible says whatever is not of faith is what? It's sin. Now, I didn't write that, you know. Uh, Paul wrote that in the book of Romans, right? Romans chapter 8. Whatever is not of faith is sin, but um, I get to choose, Amen. And it's a good life, uh, a life of faith, good life. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and just that whole, I know that's, uh, you know, uh, not a whole lot about healing in that. Of course, all of uh, healing is about faith. Uh, but um, just that discussion would get so many people in the church just fighting, spitting mad at you. Oh, yeah. Because so many people want to be victims. They want to remove responsibility for their own actions, you know. Uh, and, you know, much, much of... Uh, um, uh, in fact, uh, uh, who was his name? Um, the, the, the fellow that was in charge of uh, uh, the Salvation Army, um, uh, William Booth, right? General Booth. I should know that, right? Because we've got a b- bunch of Booths running around here, right? Uh, and so, but William Booth said that the people want forgiveness without repentance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, you have to acknowledge some of these things. And, but a person of faith can, can say, well, you know, I've done this, uh, but the Bible says I can be forgiven. And that's what a person of faith can do, right? A person in their emotions, well, you know, God couldn't even forgive me. Blah, 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 right? I mean, are you, are, is what you've done greater than the blood of Jesus? Is it even close to the blood of Jesus? It's, I mean, it's so embarrassingly far away from the blood of Jesus, you know, I, I would be embarrassed to even utter those words. And yet people will casually say that God couldn't even forgive somebody like me. So God loved the whole world, well, except for that guy, uh, that he sent his only begotten son for everybody, well, except for that guy right there, you know, and especially for you. Uh, you, don't, you don't count. There's no way, right? Because that means that you're greater somehow than the blood of Jesus, greater than the precious son of God, greater than the lamb of God, that what you've done or what you've said or what you've believed in the past is greater than the one who hung on the cross. Well, I don't think so. You know, it's, uh, you're, you're such an amateur compared to what he paid for, amen? Uh, so everybody can be forgiven and uh, but in the church, you know, I got in trouble not long ago because I, I was uh, teaching about the heart and, and, the, and the soul and spirit and, the, and how those things work. And, 
And uh, when you get into this topic sometimes, the church, uh, uh, you know, to me, these things are really simple. These are not hard concepts to understand from the word of God. But because you say certain things, they immediately jump to the conclusion. Well, then you're saying that we all can just sin as whatever we want to. Just do whatever you want to. It doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want to. I've never said those words. Uh, I know the Bible says that, that uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, and I know that sin and death often go together. And if you stay in sin long enough, you will die, right? You may die early. You may die spiritually. You may die in a lot of different ways. You may die. The Bible talks about one death being a life without power. You know, so you may go to church. And you may, you know, uh, sit on the front pew every every Sunday. But a life without power is death. Right. Uh, And so and you may die and go to heaven. So I'm not your judge. I don't you know, I can't decide and define how that uh, sin will affect your life. But it's not good for you. Amen. Uh, And so. But there is forgiveness. I mean, if you're required to forgive other people, surely God will forgive you. Right. I mean, if he told human beings to I require that you forgive somebody. But for me, I'm going to pick and choose if I forgive somebody or not. I thought the Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is what? Faithful to forgive your sins, right? Uh, and so that means that he's always going to do it. Faithful means he's always there to do it, right? Uh, and so, well, not that one. Yeah, more than likely. I've had people try to imply to me uh, that I will not be forgiven for things really I hadn't even done anyway. But, you know, just over the years, right? People just try because they do that because they're trying to put you in an emotional jail. Because if you think you can't be forgiven, then, then you'll be stuck, right? Then, then oh, I'll just, I'm just a sorry, no-count individual. No, I, I, I'm forgiven. I didn't say I'm perfect. I just said I'm forgiven, right? Uh, and so, so there, there may or may not be a hindrance in sin in your life that's hindering your ability to receive healing. Uh, if, if there is any hindrance, I believe that hindrance can be found, what the, what the root cause of it is, if you ask the Lord. Uh, don't go through a bunch of, you know, psychotherapy and, and hypnosis and, you know, it was, it was my mama, you know, whatever. I mean, somebody told me one time that, you know, that, that they had a prophet come through town and prayed over them. And this is this is some of the reasons why I just I just have uh, I believe that the charismatic church and the Pentecost church gets such a bad rap from the rest of the church because of things like this. But a prophet came through town and prophesied over this one person and said the reason why you have so many emotional difficulties in your life right now is because you you had a hard birth when you came through the birth canal it was difficult and so that caused you to have emotional trauma all your life and how would you even know i mean do you remember that day you know all i remember is that you know it was dark and warm one minute and it was cold and light the next minute that's all i remember you know from that day i actually don't remember any of it because you know i was just a baby obviously but but you know again uh, sometimes you get in trouble you know i just laughed that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard and they got so mad because that statement allowed them to remain the way they were and to be an excuse for, for what they were. And what they were was just mean, right? What they were is just somebody who chose not to control their emotions and not put their old man away, right? The Bible says, put off the old man. Uh, well, I can't put, I'm just an emotional person. No, you are a spirit being. You get to choose. A person of faith chooses, amen? A person of, of emotions uh, makes excuses. Uh, I can't help the way that I am. You get to choose every day how you are. And that's one of the best things I, when I got saved that I loved realizing, Lord, I get to decide who the person I want to be, who, who I want to be. I can look in your word and say, I can be a person who walks in love. I can be that person. It, you know, there's no, there's no reason why I can't be that person other than I just don't want to. But, when I, but when, as I read the word, Lord, I can be that person. And I told you when I, when I was listening to Brother Hagen many years ago, he, he said, 
he said, I never have an ill thought about anybody. And uh, I was listening to a cassette tape. I've told you that story many times, right? I've listened to a cassette tape. And he said those words, and I thought, to me, it was so foreign to think that I get to choose what kind of person that I will be. And I was a grown man at that time, married. Uh, I think I was married at that time. Um, I, I don't know. I, did, we, did, I, I didn't have my Mustang when, when we were married, so it was before I was married because it was in my Mustang, right? Uh, and so uh, I had a Mustang 1974 Mustang II Ghia, right? The six-cylinder German-built engine with a little crank sunroof there and, and uh, the, the dead sheepskin uh, seats there. You know, you've got to have dead sheepskin seats, and they were probably fake dead sheepskin seats because I couldn't afford probably real ones, as uh, you know. Uh, but um, anyway, so, but he said those words, and, 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 uh, and I had a little bit of ill will just for him saying something like that. Well, nobody can live that way. But that's not really the reaction I had. The reaction I had, in fact, I remember I pointed to my cassette player, and I said, someday I'll be able to live like that. Someday I'll be able to say that. Uh, because it was, so, it was such a revelation that I get to choose how I live. I get to choose what is in charge of my life. And that's what faith is. Faith is a choice. It's always a choice. So I'm never a victim. I'm never, I'm never oh, you know, I've had it so hard in my life. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say things like, well, that's just one more thing to happen to me. You know, I just, I just couldn't take any more. Well, why were you taking any of it to begin with? Right. right? I mean, you, there's, you should be at most be at one thing you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But so many times, well, that's just a straw that broke the camel's back. Well, why are you hauling this stuff around anyway? If you're forgiving it, you got none of it. You got zero. You're at zero all the time. And maybe you're at one, but then you're back at zero really quick, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, people are at one, two, three, four, five. Then the straw, oh, this, I can't take it no more. It's just another example of somebody hurting me. Just one more time, you know. People always are hurting me. I'm always the one getting hurt. I'm always getting dumped on, you know. I am nobody's victim, uh, and I will never be anybody's. I'm a child of the living God. Yes. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know why the preacher's there, but we'll just, you know, I, it's just good. Amen. I love faith. Amen. I love the word of God. I love believing when I read a, word, a verse. I, Lord, I can live that way. Yes. I don't have to live below our means. I don't have to live below uh, in, in uh, uh, depression and sadness and grief and, and hurt and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness like most of the world lives, like half the church lives. I don't have to live that way. I can choose every day when I get up how I live. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so you get to choose. Amen? amen. And you can live a life of freedom. So if you knew by this, I was at a finance committee meeting Zoom thing on Wednesday. And they, somebody had gone through and figured out all the capital repairs we need in the world. And it was like about close to $800,000. Yeah. Shut up, Sue. Who wants to hear that? You're, what are you talking about? Yeah, we're going to rest on your faith, right? Well, we hope you got some faith because we ain't got none of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, yeah. There's prosperity over there. Well, you know, the, the thing that's odd to me is that we in the church many times, when, the, when exposed to faith, look at it like a cow at a new gate. Like, mm. what do we do? What, what do you mean just believe God? What are you talking about? What's wrong with you? We need to worry, fret, wring our hands. That's what we need to do, right? Run around, you know, with our hands flailing in the air. Ah, what are we going to do? I mean, I mean that's, what the, that's what the church does, right? Unfortunately. Uh, and uh, now look, this is not just a Pentecostal thing or a non-Pentecostal. This is the church, right? We're all our faith. We're, I mean, aren't we literally called believers, right? We are designed to believe. We are created with the ability to believe. Amen. Well, believing's hard. It's really not that hard. I mean, if I told you I'd see you next Tuesday, we go, I don't know. I don't know if he's, he's going to come or not, you know. Have we ever met? I mean, if we've ever met, you know I'm going to be there on Tuesday, right? Yep. Now, if you don't know me, you know, I mean, like, I don't, I mean, he said he's going to be there. Let's just find out, right? I mean, you know, you don't know. But, you know, there's plenty of people I know. I mean, if Johnny told me he's going to be there Tuesday, pff, I mean, I set my clock, you know. I mean, if, if, if it's a minute late, then the world, the clocks are all wrong in the entire world because Johnny's not, he's not going to be late, right? Uh, and so you have to reset the atomic clock up in, up in Colorado. And so uh, it, it's, uh, uh, it's not hard. Uh, and yet it seems foreign to many people in the church, right? I mean, I can't tell you what the world's like, but in the church, the whole concept of faith seems to be odd, seems to be a, a point of tension. And, and, uh, and when you say th- an obvious thing, like, well, let's just believe God, you know, like, And that's, is, is, that, is that new? Is that something new? Like God, did he start doing something new that we could believe God now for things? Uh, I mean, it was new in the garden, right? And when Adam was created, that's when it was new to humanity. But ever since then, it's been around for a long time, right? Uh, but it's not hard. But the, the, I think the issue is, the, is our knowledge of the Word of God. So the, the, Still okay? <laughs> well, that healing stuff's only going to last for a little while, and then you're back to, you know, square one, right? You know? Uh, oh, I know. I know. I told you, you know, the, the early on in the healing school, you know, when I said that it's God's will every single time without exception to heal, I had a Pentecostal person. Been in Pentecost probably as long as I've been alive, right, on this earth. And I said, do you really believe that? Like, it would, like, well, nobody actually believes that. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I, I'm... I, you know, I'm a really nice guy, but sometimes I want to say, what's wrong with you? You mean you don't believe that? How could you not believe that, you know? I mean, if you've not been taught healing, you know, because the church you go to doesn't believe in healing, and okay, fine, you know, maybe we'll give you a bye for a little while on that. Uh, but if you've been taught healing in a Pentecostal, of course, a lot of Pentecostal churches, you know, well, God will heal you, unless sometimes he won't. And then, you know, you just don't know, right? You know, I mean, even my friend uh, Lester Sumrall, uh, you know, the only minister I know that has stays that course that, that strongly is Brother Hagen from teaching. Now, I've never heard Smith Wigglesworth say anything like that either. But even my friend Lester said, you know, God heals, God heals. But you know, it's out, you know. And, and it's like, but, you could, but he gave no, no Bible verse, right? And I'm not mad at Brother Lester. You know, when I get to heaven, you know, I may have to run from him. But, uh, <laughs> but he's short, so I can outrun him, I'm sure. Uh, and so, uh, but no, when we get to heaven, I'm guaranteed he'd be like, yeah, sorry, I ever said that. Uh, because uh, uh, God is our healer, yes. amen? Yes. And he always wants to be our healer. He is Jehovah Rapha, right? Jehovah it's not what he was going to do, it's who he is. Yes. You can't separate who he is from who he is, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and so it's, uh, um, I don't know, it's just, uh, it, it, to me it's like, well then, I've got 
the whole rest of my life uh, booked out because uh, I could teach these same things for the next 60 years uh, and, and it'll still be new to some people, right? And you think this is, you know, I think, well, everybody knows this, right? I mean, to me, in my, in, my, in my heart, all this discussion about faith is like, well, everybody knows this. I, this is not all that interesting of information, right? This is something that we just, does, the minute we get born again and breathe air as a child of God, oh, yeah, of course we can believe, you know? Uh, but, you know, I know it's not that way, but in my heart, it's like, well, it ought to be that way. It ought to be as just simple as the ABCs uh, of Christianity uh, is... How do we believe God, right? Do we know that it's God's will to heal? Do we know that it's God's will to protect and to, and to, uh, to deliver and to uh, help us overcome? The answer is always yes, every single time. There's never an exception when God's like, no, uh, you know, my preference is you suffer. Mm. You know, that'll help you, right? Uh, but the problem with that is the great commission for all the church is for us to go, amen? And if you can't go because God has made you sick, then uh, he's still going to judge you for going or not going, right? Because if he said to go, then, then that's a requirement. You have, to, you have to preach the gospel. Now, how you do that is, is up to your particular life and where you're called to be. You don't have to go overseas to do it. You can do it at work. You can do it in the drive-thru or wherever. It doesn't matter where you do it or how you do it as long as you do it by the will of God. Uh, but if you can't do it because you're physically unable to do it, you think God's going to give you a buy? Oh, sorry. You know, I, I, you were sick. Uh, but the Lord's going to be like, well, I provided you healing to get better so that you can complete my uh, will for, on the earth. Uh, but if he's making us sick, how is he making us sick but also requiring us to go? That would be an unjust God to, to you know, just say, hey, go build my house. Go build a house. Well, where's the, where's the wood and the hammer and the nails? And Well, I'm not going to give you anything. You just got to do it yourself, and I'm going to judge you for doing it or not doing it. But I don't have any tools. I don't have any money to do it. Oh, sorry, you're going to be judged for it, you know. That'd be pretty unjust, wouldn't it? Uh, God says, go into all the world, but I'm going to make you sick before you go. So you can't go, but, you know, but I'm still going to judge you for not going. And uh, well, that just seems kind of un- unkind, right? Uh, and, and so, of course, he's not going to do that. But So is it God's will to heal? Is it ever God's will not to heal? It's always God's will to heal. Amen. And, and that's the simplest truth. And yet uh, that truth is, has held back so many Christians from receiving healing. Amen? Because in the church, our responsibility primarily is to obtain faith to receive healing uh, in and of ourselves, right? That's our ultimate goal is to where we can believe God and receive healing anytime that we need it. Uh, and of course, there's no problem with, with laying hands on people, obviously. Uh, but that's our ultimate goal, right? Uh, but if you can't get past whether or not it's God's will, then you can never, ever get in faith. Uh, because faith is, uh, or, and Brother Paulsworth is the first one that I'm, I, re- I know that recorded that statement, uh, and maybe he got it from somebody else, I don't know. I've heard a lot of ministers say it, but they never mentioned it was from Brothers Bal- Brother Paulsworth, but he was the first one I, I've read that said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Mm-hmm. Because faith is believing what the Lord has said, and that it's his will to do what his word says. Uh, and so faith begins. So in other words, there's no faith until you get to the, to the very beginning. It says what God has said is true and he wants me to have this promise. I, uh, that's the will of God. If, if he says that I am your healer, then I understand from that statement that it's God's will to heal me. And so my faith is based upon the fact that it's God's will that I have the promise of this verse. Uh, and if you can't get to that point, then, then you can never get in faith about any verse. Mm. 
you can never get in faith. Well, I just don't know if it's God's will to heal me or not. Well, then it'll be impossible for you to ever be in faith for your own to receive healing. Uh, and so you and that's for some people, that's a huge hurdle. It's a huge hurdle to get to the point where they believe that it's God's will to heal them. Uh, and it may be because of their lack of training, lack of teaching, lack of, uh, of understanding the word. It could be because of their past and what they've done. You know, there's a lot of reasons why they have a hard time getting to that point. But if they can never get to that point, they will never have their own faith for healing. They will have to be dependent upon the mercies of others to receive healing. Uh, and so, and, you know, fortunately, the Lord's merciful, isn't he? He is merciful and he does provide mercy for us. Many, the, many healings in the, in the uh, New Testament were acts of mercy, right? No, no faith on the receiver's part at all. Uh, but then there were plenty of great examples where the person receiving, uh, Jesus said, uh, be it unto you according to what? Your faith, right? And so there were plenty of good examples also that people had their own faith, and all Jesus had to do then was to supply the power. They had the faith. He just had to show up with the power, and they received their healing, amen? Uh, and so he didn't have to override their, their will or override their, their, their mental state to uh, get them healed, Amen. And so uh, we have finished up chapter six uh, in our book here. Uh, and um, uh, but we have a few questions we haven't answered. And then we'll get into chapter seven uh, and um, let's see what, what time we got. Oh, we'll see how it goes here. Right. Uh, so it, there's only seven questions here. So you guys want to answer them. Uh, so question number one says, what paid for our healing that causes us to rejoice? Precious blood of Jesus, right? And did, she, did she say Christ? She might have said Christ. You know, I always prefer to use Jesus, you know. But uh, the precious blood of Jesus uh, paid for our healing. And um, we know that's not exactly 100% correct, you know. But it was, it was uh, um, you know, it's by his stripes. Which, of course, you know, when you get stripes, you bleed, I know. So, uh, but we'll, we'll give her a buy on that one. And, and uh, that's pretty close, right? Uh, and so according to Psalm uh, 100, verse 4, how should we enter his, into his gates? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Lord, we're so thankful. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times during the day I'll just walk, walk around and say, Lord, thank you. Sometimes I'll thank him for something specific. Sometimes just thank him for general. Lord, just thank you for being you. Because uh, I always want to be thankful, right? Uh, one of the things that says at the end times, people will become unthankful. And if you look at our society today, how many people are unthankful? Just they demand things, you know, like, you know, well, you owe me something. Well, that's really unthankful, you know. And, and so um, we could preach about all that and put on my pastor's hat for that one. Uh, and so according to First uh, Peter 1, 8, what comes before rejoicing? Believing. Believing, right? Having believed, we rejoice. Amen. Uh, and so and that's really what allows that rejoicing to happen, because once you believe that it's God's will for you to be healed, uh, in fact, uh, I don't think I told the story when, when we were teaching the class, but I remember one time I was praying for uh, one of the kids and uh, they had, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, cough or flu or something. And, uh, and uh, they were feeling really bad and aching at a temperature. And, and so, you know, do what I'm supposed to do as a dad, go and pray for them, right? Laid hands on them uh, and uh, believing, was believing, believing God that they were healed. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, how would you feel if I had healed her immediately or if she was healed immediately and I'd say I'd, I'd, I'd rejoice he said that's how you're supposed to act before you see it mm-hmm. because if I believe then it's the same exact thing as if it was really there right once I believe that it's happened right of course we know uh, Mark eleven twenty four says what things over you desire when you pray what believe that you what receive them right 
and then you'll have them. So if you really believe that you receive them, then why is the rejoicing delayed until it's manifested? The rejoicing can begin the moment you believe, because if you believe, I mean, when you order something, you know, uh, you're ha- as soon as you hit, hit uh, you know, check out, right, and, and approve this, this order, uh, you get excited about it. Oh, it's on its way. Um, and, and so uh, our believing comes before our rejoicing. Amen. Uh, and then um, according to Psalm 34, verse 1, how often should we bless the Lord? Bless the Lord at all times. Amen. Now, we bless a lot of people, uh, but uh, we ought to bless the Lord more, right? And that's not exactly in the same context, is it? Uh, and so, uh, and then uh, number six says, name one example where, where a sick person was not healed immediately in the ministry of Jesus. So, uh, uh, what's uh, at least one of the examples? The blind man at Bethesda, right, who saw the trees, so the Lord had to pray for him twice. Uh, any other examples? The nobleman's son, right, says that he began to amend at that hour, right? Uh, and so we don't know how long the, the full manifestation of that took, uh, took but uh, he began to amend. Uh, and what's one more example? Who got healed as they went? The, the ten lepers, right? Uh, and so this is as they, so Jesus sent them away while they still had leprosy. And when they left his presence, they still had leprosy. And somewhere between them leaving Jesus and, and arriving at the high priest uh, is when they received their healing. So it wasn't an immediate cure, right? Uh, and so, and, and then question number seven is this, for the praise cure to work, what must come first? Uh, yeah, and I, I got a note here, this question is not from the book, right? This is my own question, right? So, uh, but, um, but we covered this in, in class, uh, faith, right? So, uh, because the praise that you, that you give to the Lord is an expression of the faith that's in your heart, right? And so uh, the faith is so big that you have to praise the Lord and how big he is, right? Uh, and so uh, that was our seven questions there. Uh, oh, did I miss number five? Oh, yeah, according to Psalm 103.1, how much of our being should we bless the Lord with? All that is within me, right? Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, right? Bless his holy name. Uh, so... Uh, all that's within you, uh, if you spend, take all that's within you and bless the Lord, there's not anything left to complain and gripe and mumble and, and, uh, and be afraid of your circumstances, right? Uh, so all that's within you. Uh, and so the nice thing is now, all that's within us is more than all that was in them back in the day, right? Because now all that's within us includes the Spirit of God who dwells in us. And so we have the capacity to bless the Lord even greater than, than our forefathers did, Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so that's the end of chapter six. And then uh, chapter seven is uh, Timothy's wine and Hezekiah's poultice, right? Uh, and um, um, it's a brave minister who will preach on this topic right here, right? You're talking about landmines and, and possibilities of traps and everything. And uh, of course, uh, she doesn't go really deep in, into this discussion there. Um, and, and I have seen small wars fought about uh, this particular topics, you know. Uh, but, you know, if it's in the Word of God, we ought not be afraid to talk about it. Amen. Uh, and so we've just got a couple minutes to turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we'll start there and, you know, hopefully we won't get everybody in the whole church mad, you know, when we preach about it. But um, uh, we'll see what the Word says. Amen. Uh, so it says here in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Drink 
No longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Um, and so what was the purpose of the wine? It was uh, medicinal in, in, uh, uh, in purpose, right? To, to provide some relief from whatever these ailments, it, and, and they were often in frequent sicknesses that Timothy was going through. Uh, and so uh, uh, Dr. Paul prescribed uh, uh, wine uh, for Timothy's ailments. Amen. Uh, and so now some verses or some translations say that uh, verse 23 was not re- really in the original language and it's it's uh, um, wasn't supposed to be there. And I think uh, James Moffat didn't actually include it in his uh, most recent uh, translations there. But I, I'm not going to go into a long dissertation about wine, uh, but uh, we need to talk about a few things because it's right here. Right. It's right here in the Bible. Uh, and so. Uh, does it say anything about uh, being drunk here, uh, about getting drunk with wine? No. Uh, and, uh, in fact, if you look at the, uh, yeah, it says use a little wine, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so some people, you know, uh, I remember years ago, uh, because I believe that the Word of God in general teaches that there's no need for drinking uh, alcohol in any social, uh, in any social uh, situations. Uh, and, and that's a little strong because, um, you know, there was wine all through all through the New Testament. Uh, and so this one person to put the book together about, you know, uh, I think it was called um, uh, like Sipping Christians or Saints. Sipping Saints. That's what it was. Sipping Saints. Right. Uh, and, and so I read a book. So, OK, well, somebody wrote a book about it. So it'd be good to have a good foundation uh, of Scripture uh, to, to know what we believe. Right. Uh, but the whole premise was, well, you know, uh, when Paul talked about wine here, uh, it wasn't uh, alcoholic wine, right? The wine that had any alcoholic content. Does it say there's, this, is, this is non-alcoholic wine? I mean, in the whole history of the Bible, how many times have people gotten drunk with wine? I mean, who's probably the most famous person we know? Noah, Noah right? Uh, and so, but that was thousands of years before this, right? So if they had alcoholic wine in days of Noah when they've had alcoholic wine here and uh, Paul who wrote first Timothy, didn't Paul also write uh, Ephesians chapter five, where it says, be not drunk with what wine, wine where is what where, where is it excess? Right. Uh, and so the whole premise was, well, none of this wine that they're talking about here in the new Testament was, was wine with alcohol, which I mean, and it seemed like they were, they had arrived at a conclusion and wanted to make scriptures fit their conclusion that because we, we hate wine so much, that uh, uh, we want to uh, rewrite the scriptures. Uh, and so, you know, from my understanding, everything, every time the New Testament talks about wine, it's talking about wine that has alcoholic content. Uh, now, uh, my, my observation has, has been that wine and, and any alcohol in any social setting has never done anybody any good. Mm-hmm. It has brought more harm uh, and, and, and grief and sadness to the world uh, than it's worth at all. Uh, and so, uh, and you know, you can go over to, uh, and really uh, when people talk about wine, my, my go-to scripture is Romans chapter 14. And Romans chapter 14 says, if I do something that's going to cause my brother offense, then I'll never do it again. Well, in our society, you know, wine and alcohol in general is still seen as a, vi- uh, as a vice, right? Something you ought not do. And, you know, if you saw me at the restaurant drinking a beer, would, would uh, you be glad about that? No. So I'll never do it. Never do it. 
Uh, and so in that regards, it would be a sin for me to do that if, if it's going to cause you, because I don't need it, right? Uh, and so, uh, because uh, there's no value in it. And I had somebody come to the church one time and say, uh, you know, the Lord told me to stop by here. He said, I'm looking for a place where there's liberty. I, I mean, I don't know that you'll find many more places that have more liberty than we have, right? We're as free as you can be. Um, and so, uh, I said, well, you know, we, you know, I believe in complete, total liberty from the Lord, right? Now, most of the time, people, when, they, when you say liberty, they think about li- liberty to allow their flesh to run their life, right? Uh, and so he said, well, would you go get a, a glass of wine with me? I said, well, I know. Uh, uh, and uh, he said, well, why not? I said, well, because it would offend my brother. And I said, I don't need wine. Uh, and besides that, why would you want to take something that would always, uh, even in small quantities, affect your thinking? Right? And if it's going to affect your thinking, why would you do that? If you take too much of it, then, then it completely removes all your thinking, right? And you become really dumb. Uh, and so, um, uh, so he, got, he got offended and left, never came back. It's funny, the Lord told you to come here, but because I answered a question uh, from a biblical standpoint, right? And you couldn't argue with my, with my, with, with my response to him at all. There's no arguing because most of the time uh, people want to argue about, you know, about, other use other verses that don't even make any sense right uh and so so number one alcohol is uh, in a social setting has never done anybody any good uh but this is not a social setting this is a a medicinal setting this is a setting where uh this man timothy had often infirmities often sicknesses right uh and so has has wine or alcohol ever been prescribed to people uh, to do certain things well well I know uh, from my own personal uh, life that, that uh, my dad's doctor prescribed that he have like a shot of whiskey on a regular basis because he had heart disease and, and uh, I think alcohol thins the blood uh, and so it was basically a cheap blood thinner, right? Uh, and uh, he was very faithful to do, follow the doctor's orders, right? Uh, and so, but it didn't, didn't cure him, right? Because he ended up dying of a heart attack. Uh, Yeah. But yet, which I always found was kind of amusing, we're also real into herbs and tinctures and everything. And a yeah. tincture is herbs that are dissolved in alcohol, and that is strong. It's like really? vodka. Yeah. And I've, I've actually made tinctures, and some herbs don't activate with just water, which is an extract. Right. Some have to have alcohol to get it out in there, and I'm kind of thinking that's what's going on. Yeah, and so, you know, of course, people use this verse as an excuse or, or a privilege to then go drink alcohol from a social standpoint. But really, you know, unless you want to live with often infirmities, you know, there's no need ever to drink alcohol. Now, look, I'm not mad about it. I, I mean, there are so many more things that are more important than this whole discussion. And yet people will, just like I said, that fella, I mean, he would not come to this church because I wouldn't go have a, have a glass of wine with him. And, and so I'm thinking, well, but my liberty gives me the freedom to not ever have to drink wine. I, I don't need alcohol to be happy. I don't need anything to be happy, right? And people smoke weed to be happy. People drink alcohol to be happy. I'm happy because I woke up. Uh, and so um, uh, the, to me, it's just, this leave, has, has it ever done anybody any good? Ever? In the history of humanity, has alcohol ever done anybody any good outside from this medicinal situation here? Uh, but is it, it's never done anybody any good in the social setting. Well, it just makes me at ease. Well, then get in faith. 
I live in the peace of God. I, I, I live in, in, in ease uh, by faith. Amen. I don't have to have alcohol to do that. Uh, and so, you know, when we took a, a flight over to Africa one time, as soon as the door closed, you know, one of the great evangelists said, you know, they ordered one of those old shot of whiskeys, right? And, and he said, I have to have alcohol to sleep. I have to have the shot of whiskey to sleep. And of course, immediately, you know, uh, I didn't say anything, but immediately he rose up, liar. <laughs> you know, that's really because my Bible says that he gives his beloved sweet sleep as long as they take a shot of whiskey. Is that what it says? No, the last part's not in the verse, right? It says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. It doesn't say as long as you take a shot of whiskey. So you don't have to have a shot of whiskey to sleep. You know, you just wanted a shot of whiskey and you were using it as an excuse. Uh, and so, but I, but I know people who get just fighting mad over this topic. Now, look, my mother died an alcoholic. She died of liver disease because she was an alcoholic. In, in fact, I remember her being an alcoholic all my life. Every Friday she'd go to the grocery store, she'd come back drunk uh, for years uh, and tried to kill herself, throw herself down the, the, the cellar stairs to kill herself because she was so consumed by alcoholism. And after my dad died, my dad died in, in October of 1979, uh, she became a full-time alcoholic. Before she was a part-time alcoholic, now she was a, every day. And she drank Pepsi and Seagram 7 every day. Pepsi, and she, of course, she thought she was hiding it, but, you know, uh, you smell it every day, you just recognize it, right? And she'd get her bottle of, of uh, Pepsi-Cola and, and bottle of Seagram 7. She used to hide it behind the stereo, and I'd find her alcohol, and I'd pour it down the drain. You know, I'm just a kid, right, just, just 14 years old, trying to deal with an alcoholic mother, and, uh, and, and te- I'd beg her in tears, Please stop drinking. You know, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm the youngest child begging my mother to stop drinking because she's going to die and I'm going to be left alone. I've already lost one parent. I'm going to be left alone crying and, and, you know, holding her in my arms, begging her to stop drinking. But she couldn't. She didn't know how to get uh, victory over that. You know, it consumed her uh, and it consumed her life. She died, you know, and I, I remember uh, as, as she progressed in the hospital, you know, uh, you get liver disease and then uh, you, your, all your skin turns yellow, right? She was yellow and pale from all of the, the liver disease and she died in the hospital, right? She died in, in 1980, nine months after my dad died. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, that experience doesn't, doesn't define my understanding of alcohol. When I read the Word of God, I never see it do anybody any good. That's sufficient enough for me. It's always caused grief. In, in every circumstance where it's, it's taken in a social setting, every single example in the Word of God, it's, it's taken, it, it, it has only turned into grief. Uh, and so uh, you want to you argue for or against it? You know, I really don't care. Uh, I know what the Word of God says, that when Paul said this, it was in the context of a medicinal situation. Uh, and if you want to live with, with often infirmities, then drink all the alcohol you want to. None of my business, right? Uh, you want to live like that? You know, none of my business, but I'm going to live. Uh, you know, why couldn't Timothy get it by faith? Well, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you need help in the natural world. If you can't get it in the spiritual world by faith, then sometimes you, it's okay to go to the doctor, okay to take medicine. I mean, I would never uh, tell anybody you shouldn't take medication. And Paul was prescribing uh, Timothy here uh, to take this medication. So, uh, so, again, the Bible doesn't say that much about it, right? In the New Testament, it doesn't say much about it. It says you ought not be drunk. And so is there ever any excuse to be drunk? Never an excuse to be drunk. Ever, there's never an excuse to be drunk. Paul calls it excess, right? It's excess of the flesh. Uh, and you ought to just leave it at that, amen? And then realize it's never done anybody any good. 
And in our society, it's still seen as a vice and still would offend everybody in the, in, in the whole country. Uh, but look, I've been to Europe. Uh, you go to Europe, you go to France, and they, they have, you know, drink wine like it's, I mean, like it's nothing. I mean, they hook up IVs of it and everything, you know. And, uh, you know, I used to go to the manufacturing plant there. You go to the, have a cafeteria, you drink wine at the cafeteria. And I can't imagine that being done in, in the United States. But to them, it's not any big deal. Uh, well, then move to France. Yeah, look, you do whatever you want to do, you know. This is not something that's even worth arguing about. But I know people who say, if, if I see a Christian drinking alcohol, I won't even associate with them. You know, that's awful harsh. I just, I mean, that you're going to die on that hill about separating yourself from your brother over that? I mean, and, and, and yet this person over here would say, God doesn't heal like he's a horrible person, and you'll let that go by? But you, you won't let that other thing over there go by? I mean, it, it riles me up way more when people say God doesn't heal. Uh, than whether or not you, you like doing this particular uh, thing or not, you know. So I'm going to leave it, leave it, you know, for you to decide. Uh, and I'm not going to preach hellfire and damnation over these things because there's not hellfire and damnation in the Word of God about it. Never done anybody any good. It's, it's only used here in the context of, of, uh, of medicinal purposes. Uh, leave it at that. Amen? Uh, because if, if your doctor said, well, you know, you've got to take a shot of whiskey or die, what would you do? Well, a lot of Christians would die on that hill, right? Uh, and yet Paul told Timothy to do that. So are you giving an excuse? I'm not giving anybody an excuse. You do whatever you want to do. You know, I mean, you do whatever you, th- you feel like the word tells you to do. But like that fellow came in there, you know, he wanted liberty, but he wanted liberty as he defined liberty. I, was li- I had liberty to not ever drink ever again. And I don't not drink because my mother was an alcoholic. I don't drink because I don't see it in the word of God. And I don't need anything in, in, in my life that, that allows me to feel at ease other than the peace of God. Uh, and so I don't need alcohol. There's nothing in, in me that ever needs a shot of whiskey, right? Oh, if I just had a shot of whiskey, I could really do. Uh, I need a shot of faith, if anything. You know, that's the only shot I ever need, right? Uh, and so, uh, so I just leave it at that. You know, the Bible doesn't say much about it in the New Testament, and it doesn't say much about it in the New Testament, except it, it never says, uh, it does repeat uh, a couple of times, don't be drunk. Uh, and, uh, uh, but my question to you is, if you, if you drink alcohol in a social setting, how many times have you been drunk? I, I'd say it's rare that people who do that uh, don't go uh, long periods of time without being drunk sometime. You know, buzz, being buzzed is still being drunk, right? When, when now, you're, now you can't drive because you've had, you know, a few too many. Now you're not, you know, slobbing around, falling down drunk, but, you know, uh, what's the difference? There's no difference, right? I mean, the police think there's no difference, right? Uh, and so... Never done anybody good. What's the, what's the value of it? Amen. Mm-hmm. Remember the Bible talks about weights and sins, which do so easily beset you over in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, that's a weight. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now we may have lost half, the, half, half of our Facebook audience. I don't know. You know, I don't really care. Uh, because to me, this is not something worth ha- I mean, the, the, the anger that I hear many ministers talk about this is so strong that it overshadows what the word says. Uh, and, you know, if the Bible didn't say a lot about things, then just kind of leave things alone, right? Uh, and so this is not something that, uh, in this case, Paul did, did prescribe uh, alcohol-based wine for Timothy's infirmities. Uh, and now you get to some circles, right? I know your group doesn't allow you to do it, but other groups almost, you know, they have keg parties, right, at the churches, which I think is, is kind of, uh, you know, beyond the pale there, but... Um, uh, other groups don't say anything wrong with it. Uh, but from when I read the word of God, I don't see any value ever of doing that in any social setting. 
Uh, and so, and I just leave it at that. Uh, uh, if I'm going to offend my brother over something that doesn't matter like that, then, uh, then I don't need to do it ever again. Uh, you know, of course, I've never done it anyway. I, well, I did have a half a can of beer when I was like in seventh grade. Um, and so full disclosure there. But, um, uh, and so, uh, but, you know, I come from a long line of people in my family that have been alcoholics, you know, and, uh, and a lot of alcohol, growing up with a lot of alcohol. Never saw it do anybody any good. Not a single time ever thought, you know, that's really going to help them out. Never once thought that, uh, and never will, right? Never seen it done any good. So uh, that man's uh, d- definition of, of liberty was to allow his flesh to do whatever he wanted to do. My definition of liberty is to do whatever the Spirit of God wants me to do. Uh, and uh, I, I like my definition way better than, than his definition, right? Uh, and so, so uh, uh, she doesn't say a whole lot about that, uh, about, um, uh, about the whole question of alcohol. Uh, and so... Um, you know, at the end of the day, she said uh, that that you're free uh, in the New Testament, you know, as, as far as what's in your diet. Right. Uh, and a lot of people will pick certain things, you know, and I know some groups, they're they're hard against caffeine. Right. Oh, we don't drink anything with caffeine in it. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, the Bible doesn't even mention caffeine at all, you know, specifically anyway. Uh, and so I, I think in this in this situation, um, You've got to find the path uh, that the Word of God allows you to live. Amen. Uh, but the, my concern that I've seen is either people are so adamant beyond what the Word of God says, or they're so free to demand that you have to drink in order to be seen as being free, where they're just as wrong, right? And I think both camps are, both, are wrong in that sense. Uh, and uh, I think a... a, a, a a place that uh, is more appropriate is uh, find out what the Word of God says in general about this topic and live that way, right? And if it's going to offend your brother, then it not uh, not ever be done. And if it's only ever seen as a vice in the Word of God, uh, then, uh, you know, then there's no, no need for it there either. Uh, and so, uh, you know, people argue about uh, Jesus when he turned the water into wine at the, at the wedding. And they told that was an alcoholic-based wine. Well, it had to be because... Remember, remember what the what the governor said? He said, well, you put out, you know, normally you put out the, the, the good stuff first and then bring out the cheap stuff, right? Because after they drunk enough, they don't know what in the world they're drinking the second time, right? Uh, because it's alcoholic-based, right? Uh, and so that's the whole point of the discussion there. Why did Jesus do that? You know, that, that's always a, a great $64 question right there. Uh, in their society, it wasn't seen as a big deal, right? And, and I think that if we can get to that point where it's just not a big deal either way, uh, well, are you saying it's okay to, it's just, you do whatever you want to do, right? I know what I'm going to do, what the word of God allows me to do. Uh, and, um, uh, if you can, with a sincere heart, tell me something different, you know, well then I, I'll leave it alone. That's none of my business. Uh, uh, and, uh, some ministers would just, uh, I mean, I, I know ministers say if, if I ever saw a Christian, I would never associate with them. And I think that's really harsh, right? Mm. Uh, but you'd let them lie and commit adultery and sin and steal and hurt somebody and, and backtalk somebody. That's okay, but uh, doing this other thing over here, that's not okay. Uh, we, we ought not be picking things like that and saying, well, that will divide us. Amen. Amen. Uh, I know how I'm going to live. I know what the Word of God allows me to do. And, and, uh, and since I have no often infirmities, I never drink alcohol. There's, you go to my house, there's no alcohol in my, in my household. There will never be any alcohol in my household. Uh, and, um, you know, we even have a wine rack because that's what, what the house built. 
we've got nice olive oil bottles in there because they make really nice olive oil bottles. And, uh, you know, you go, well, those look like alcohol. They're not alcoholic bottles. They're just, they're, you know. I remember we got married. We got, remember we got on the, um, on the airplane, you know, and we looked like we just got married. We know it was all dressed up, you know, and everything. Oh, you guys just got married. Yeah, yeah, we just got married. I was okay for bringing you a glass of champagne. No. And they're like, what do you mean no? No, we don't need it. Like, well, it's free. Yeah, I know. You want it? No. And it just, I mean, they were like, they didn't understand, you know, and, and so we've never done it and we don't, we'll never do it. And so all is well, amen. Uh, and then um, she, we don't have time. We'll get into um, King Hezekiah's healing after that about that. Uh, and it, she, she does make a good point about some of these things later on uh, that, uh, that I think will be helpful. So, um, you know, all of this discussion, uh, you know, like I said, you know, there's such a touchy area that it's hard to, to just say what the Word of God says and leave it at that uh, without people getting upset in some direction. But if you're upset at me, that's just not my problem, you know. Uh, you're not my problem. Uh, if you're mad at me, I'm going to sleep good tonight, right? Uh, I know how I live. I live happy every day, amen? And I need nothing to make me happy other than the Word of God, amen? I don't need any alcohol. I don't need any smoking anything weird, right? Taking anything odd, uh, you know, eating anything, right? I mean, people all the time trying to, to cause their mind to be in a, in a place where it ought not to be. Uh, and uh, I don't ever want to think unclearly. You know, I think I've taken one uh, pain pill uh, many years ago uh, and uh, it caused my mind to be foggy. I thought, well, I don't like that, you know. And so, of course, people may look at me now and think, well, your mind is foggy. But, uh, but it's natural. It's all natural if, it's, if you think it's that way, right? Uh, and so, praise God. Well, let's... let's uh, uh, pray and thank the Lord for his, for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. And, Father, we thank you uh, that your word is clear and it's sure. And, Father, uh, we want to be filled with your spirit. That's what you did tell us to do, Father, not be filled with the spirits of the world, Father, but your spirit. So, Father, that's what we desire to do. Nothing in the natural, Father, can replace the blessing of the spirit of God. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we thank you for grace and mercy and peace. And we give you all the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is there anybody who needs uh, healing? I know we're going to pray for Miss Dorothy here. Uh, anybody who wants to come up for healing? And um, Sue, I think we need to give you another shot, booster shot there for you. And, um, you know, it's always good to, uh, um, uh, especially... Uh, in things that are that uh, uh, maybe it's a long-term illness that people have been dealing with, it's always good to get like booster shots of, of uh, prayer, amen? Because we're just adding our faith to your faith, amen? And so some of these things, you know, do take a while to overcome, uh, but they'll overcome, we'll overcome with them, amen? Uh, and so, Father, we just thank you for your blessings, and Father, we thank you for your spirit. That you said, Father, that if, that if the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in us, It'll quicken and make alive our mortal flesh, our flesh that outside your spirit, Father, is doomed to die. But, Father, with your spirit, it's, it's doomed to live. And so, Father, I thank you for your life, Zoe life, Father, that fills this physical body. And, Father, that life touches every cell. Father, every single joint, marrow, and muscle, Father, tissue, that life is infused in this physical body. And it compels health to come into this body and it drives out all sickness and disease it's your spirit father and your life that causes this to happen 
So, Father, I thank you that every cell of death that's in this body, when it comes in contact with your life, Father, will shrivel and die in the name of Jesus. Father, death cannot survive in the presence of life. So, Father, I thank you this body is filled with your life, the very life from heaven, the very life from your throne, Father, the same life that you breathed into, into Adam, Father, and caused his entire body to wake up and to become alive. That same life is filled inside of this body in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for this heart to be strong and healthy, Father. Father, it doesn't matter what genetics say and what history says, Father. What matters is what your life says. And your life says, Father, that this body shall live and not die. Father, when it's time to go, it'll be time to go, but it won't have to go by sickness and disease. Mm. It'll go by your timing. Mm. When in the fullness of time, Father, in a full and long satisfied life, and then and only then, Father, will the end come. So, Father, we thank you for the fullness of life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for these hands that are made by God. These hands, Father, transfer your power into those around her. So, Father, I thank you as your power goes through these hands, Father, it affects a healing and a cure. Every joint, Father, is well in Jesus' name. Every finger, Father, is healed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Lord, I rebuke every pain and every malady in these hands, Father. And Father, there'll be no arthritis. There'll be no pains and aches in these hands, Father. These hands are meant to be transfers of the power of God, not be carriers of sickness and disease. Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, they're healed and strong in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that this whole body is well and healed and strong, Father, to accomplish your will in this earth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you Father, this body is strong and healthy, Father, and healed and well, Father. If your spirit dwells in this flesh, Father, and it does, then it affects every single aspect of this body and causes it to be strong and healthy, Father. And Lord, you never put a time limit on that. So it's to the very last breath we breathe on this earth that we can be healthy and strong. So, Father, we thank you. There's no expiration date, Father, to the life of God. In the name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you that it is so because you said it was so. And we believe it and thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we just thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for being so kind to us, for watching over us each and every day. And Father, for this class, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, that you are the healer. And Lord, you said that with long life, you'd satisfy us and show us your salvation. And so, Father, each and every day, you show us your salvation, which includes healing, Father. And we thank you for these things. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Anybody mad at me? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can be mad at me if you want to. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm going to sleep good tonight anyway, right? So, uh, but, um, you know, there are some topics. It's just, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, it's just really difficult to teach because there's so many strong emotions about them, you know, and, and um, we, ought, we ought to be able to have an intelligent conversation about any, any topic in the Bible. And, not get, and look, if you disagree with everything I said, I don't care. I mean, it, it, won't, it doesn't matter to me at all, right? You know, I mean, I'm not going to be mad about it. Well, I just, you know, and, but some people, you know, you can always tell how mad they get. Well, you know, it seems like you ought not be so mad about that, you know. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, a lot of times people will use their emotions to control you, right? It's like, well, I don't, you know, well, they're mad at me. Oh, I don't care, you know, whatever, you know. So anyway, is the Lord good? Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering then. And uh, we appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving. Amen. And uh, just think how much you'd have to pay to get this kind of information in the world, right? If you went to a seminar, you know, I've been to lots of seminars, paid thousands of dollars to go to a week seminar, you know, only get to hear somebody an hour a day, pay thousands of dollars. And uh, so we're a pretty good deal, right? Uh, we're cheap. Amen. Uh, and so, of course, you give however you want to. I'm not trying to get any money out of your pocket. I'm just saying... <laughs> In the world, I paid lots of money to go hear something that wasn't nearly as valuable as what you get to hear every week, right? Uh, so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and uh, in fact, I think we're going to start charging you what we're worth. But then all of you have to take a mortgage out, you know, because, I mean, this is, this is gold, right? This is stuff worth more than gold, amen? Uh, how many billionaires would give every penny they own to live another day? Uh, every single penny, right? Uh, and we can tell you how to live all your life for free, right? Uh, and so praise God. Well, the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and uh, oh, and in the back we have okra and green peppers. Are those from Johnny's garden? O okra, fresh okra and green peppers, straight from Johnny's garden there. So uh, help yourself to those. And we've been eating a lot of uh, roasted okra at my house here uh, lately, so it's been pretty good. So um, all right, will you be blessed? And and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>